Well, happy Father's Day to all the dads and granddads in the house. Can we give them a big hand this morning? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it was, uh, it was just over 15 years ago when I had the chance to become a dad. I'll never forget that day in the hospital, and I got to see my daughter be born, got to see her take her first breath, open her eyes, uh, her first sounds, and uh, such a day. And I remember the doctor handed me her, and I'm holding her, and I had two distinct emotions. The first was a love that was almost incomprehensible to me. It was so overwhelming. Uh, that I had such an affection for this kid. I knew in that moment I'd do anything for this kid. So I had love on one side. The other side, if I'm honest, was quite a bit of fear because I thought, do I have what it takes to raise this kid? Do I have what this kid needs? And uh, these two emotions, both at the same time. Uh, Dads, can you identify with that? Yeah, a lot of us can. And uh, two days later, I was shocked when the hospital just let me walk out with a baby and... uh, no class required or no three-ring binder. It was like, go get them. And I thought, man, now my fear is really high, right? And it started me on a time of reflection just to go, if, again, if I'm going to get this right, how, who do I look to? Uh, what do I want to make sure this kid gets? And I started reflecting on my own dad. Started thinking, what are the blessings my dad gave me that I want to make sure I give to my kids? What are the things he did great that I go, I better make sure I do those with these little ones. And what I want to share with you on this Father's Day is just some of the lessons I learned from my dad, some of the blessings he gave. And I'd ask you the same question. You reflect on your dad. What were some of the blessings that he gave you? Some of the blessings that you received, you go, I want to make sure I pass these on. And I want to just talk through a few of these blessings. Now, I do want to say this, though. Some of you, the minute I ask that question, there's some different emotions you feel because you go, I didn't get a lot of blessings from my dad. And I know Father's Day can be a very difficult day. And what I say is this, uh, I'm going to talk through the blessings I received, and I want to speak a few words at the end to those of you who would fall into this category. But for me, my dad, uh, maybe you're the same way. When I think about my dad, and as I reflected on him, uh, I realized my dad is tied to part of the house. Now, some of you, as you think about your dad, there may be like a piece of furniture, like a chair that was his chair. How many of you had a chair that you go, that's dad's chair? How many of you, it was a lazy boy recliner in front of the TV? Yeah, Anybody? Yeah, that's an appropriately named chair for the dad who just wants to sit and sleep, right? Uh, for my dad, the, the thing that reminds me of him, honestly, the place, it's a room and it's the garage. The garage was my dad's domain. My dad, that was his place. Nobody touched anything. It all is perfect exactly as he wants it. And as I thought about the garage, there's three items in the garage that actually represent to me uh, some of his blessings, uh, some of the blessings he gave. And the first one's right here. It's this lawnmower. My dad had a push mower just like this and still to this day mows his own lawn uh, with a push mower. And uh, I said to him, Dad, you know, you're getting up there. Is it time to, you know, hire somebody to let them mow the lawn? He goes, what kind of a man would allow someone else to mow their yard, you know? (laughs) Which hurt because I pay somebody to mow my yard, so... (laughs) My dad, uh, one of the things you'll notice, uh, with your yard, like little things really matter, right? The things you have to do day in and day out to keep it meticulous, you, you gotta do them regularly. If you do them regularly, those little things make a huge difference. And at the same time, if you stop doing them, sometimes for a week or two weeks, you notice a difference, don't you? And the same's true with being a dad. There are kids in our lives, our kids, they need things on a daily basis, sometimes little things, and little things really matter. And if you don't do them, 
they make a huge difference too on a negative side. Uh, when I think about my dad, the things he did on a daily basis, one of the things was uh, my dad determined that I would always hear the words, I love you from him every day. My dad every day told me those words, I love you. Now here's what I found out as I grew up. My dad never once heard those words from his dad. And some of the times this is true of us. Some of the times when we think about our dads, we don't receive something that we wish we got. And it can be very tempting to pass on that curse to our kids. And my dad just made a decision. He never heard the words I love you and he determined that I would hear them every day. And it's quite a blessing in my life. Even funny, uh, when we became teenagers, and you know, we didn't always get along as teenagers, I remember there were days where we'd get into a fight at the end of the day, right? And I'd just go, whatever, Dad, I'm going to bed. And he'd go, get back here. I love you. Now get to bed, you know? And uh, he was all angry at me, but he still wanted to say the words. And uh, it blessed me. I never wondered if he loved me. I still don't, because I heard it so often. He was able to express affection. Dad's one of the most important daily disciplines you can do is express your love to your kids, no matter how old they are. My dad still to this day ends every phone call with me. You know, Steve, I love you. I just want to make sure you hear it. Dads, are you expressing affection to your kids, to your grandkids, to your nieces and nephews? Are you telling them, whether verbally or written word or through different activities or gifts, are you expressing how much they mean to you and that you love them? It's one of the most important things you can do baseline with your kids is just tell them you love them. So there's expressions of love. My dad did that. The other side was discipline. My dad was regularly involved in discipline. And the Bible describes how important this is. Proverbs, it does not pull any punches. Proverbs says, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. Isn't that good? Kids are not smart. That's what the Bible's saying. (laughs) Foolishness. And it's saying part of the job of a dad is take a child who has foolishness in their heart and replace it with wisdom. Now, I discovered something amongst my kids very early on. You may have found this too. I did not have to teach my kids how to do bad things. They seemed to know how to do that from birth, right? I didn't teach them how to punch, but they knew who to throw one at, you know? Didn't teach them how to lie. They knew how to do that, steal, all these things. They know from birth. The Bible says don't miss it. They know how to do wrong. Your job as a parent is to discipline them to do right, to change their path. And it's very important that dads, we are involved in the discipline of our kids. Now, when I say the word discipline, some of you have in mind in a, like what discipline looks like. And some of you, you've tied discipline to punishment. The Bible doesn't describe discipline that way. In fact, Ephesians, which is one of the New Testament books, it describes it this way. It says, dads, don't exasperate your kids by coming down too hard on them. Some of you, you hear the word discipline, you think coming down hard. Bible says don't do that. Dads, don't exasperate your kids by coming down too hard on them. Instead, it says take them by the hand and lead them in the way of the master. It takes the word discipline and it gives it a new context, doesn't it? It's not about yelling. It's not about a harsh discipline. It's the gentleness of taking them by the hand and saying, this is the path we walk. This is how we behave. This is what we do. Dads, can I talk to you on this? A lot of dads I know. If you get real honest, they go, I'm too hard on my kids. Have you been too hard on your kids, dads? If you have, it's not too late to go to them and say, hey, I'm really sorry. I think I came down too hard. I just want to make this right. I I wish I wouldn't have said things the way I did. I wish I would have done things differently. It's never too late to say that. Candidly, this is one for me. If you talk to my kids and said, you know, what does your dad, what does 
Think about your whole life. What's he apologized most frequently for? It's for the time my temper got the best of me. Times where I got upset and I said a word or a phrase, either the word or the tone, that I knew later, I wish I would have just walked away. I wish I would have taken a little breather. I wish I would have just got my emotions in control before I spoke to them. A number of times uh, I've kneeled down next to their bed as they're going to sleep just to tell them, I'm so sorry I said it that way. I hope you'll forgive me. And uh, dad's one of the best things we can do. If we've got these wrong, just make it right through an apology, a sincere, heartfelt apology. I wish I would have done it differently. Bible's clear. Discipline's critically important. Your kids need discipline. But some of the times we can err in how harsh the discipline is given. Bible describes they need daily love. They need daily discipline. Uh, I grew up in an era, you may have too, uh, when I did something wrong, I would hear a phrase from my mom, and it was, wait till your dad gets home. Anybody else have this? Yeah, wait till your dad gets home. And a different era in the 70s and 80s when I grew up. Uh, When I was in grade school, for my parents, grades were very important. Let me tell you a story. One of the times my dad got it right. Grades very important. And I one time uh, got a D in science. It was the worst grade I ever got. And this is the 80s. Uh, I couldn't look it up on a computer to know where I was at because nobody had computers. And, uh, and so I didn't know I had a bad score until she handed the grade card. And I thought, oh, what's my dad going to do, right? Took it home and my mom confirmed, wait till your dad gets home. And I thought this is going to be bad. And so I created a scheme. I decided... My dad would never spank me if I was asleep. So I'm going to go to bed early before he gets home. He worked late. And so sure enough, just around dinner time, I said, Mom, I'm exhausted. I'm so sad about my grades. I'm going to bed. And I went to bed, and I thought, surely I can fall asleep, right? And then I, I couldn't. I just laid there going, please fall asleep. Please fall asleep. And it didn't work. Heard the garage door open, and my dad pull in. Heard him walk up the steps and then into the kitchen. And I could hear my mom talking to him. I knew what she was telling him. And I thought, I'm just going to pretend to be asleep, right? And then he walked down the hallway, and he opened the door to my room, and I thought, no, wait, he's going to spank a sleeping kid, right? <laughs> and he walked right over next to my bed, kneeled down right next to me, and he goes, Steve, I know you're not asleep. <laughs> and I thought, oh, man, here it comes, right? And he goes, I know you're upset about your grades. And Steve, you know grades are important to our family. But Steve, I know you're smart. And I know you can do great at school. And I know you'll get great grades. And Steve, you need to know something about me. Steve, I didn't always get good grades. And so I would just tell you, learn what you can from this and put it behind you. Tomorrow's a new day. We love you. And he walked out. And I thought, no way, right? (laughs) That's a gentle discipline, isn't it? Never got another D. Thought that really set a tone, and it changed how I perceived my dad. A gentle discipline. Some of the times the discernment to know when do you need to be a little stronger, and when can you be gentle? Dad, that is so critical. But man, that's one of the best blessings. That moment where I saw you can discipline in a totally different way than I'd seen. Dads, how are you doing on this? How are you doing at showing love to your kids? How, do you, how are you doing being involved in the discipline to teach them the way and the path they should go? Do you have your kid by the hand saying, follow me. Let's go after the way God has taught us. How are you doing? One more daily discipline my dad gave me. And it's in this image that I have as a child that's around his faith. Uh, see, my dad, uh, I said it earlier, he left early in the morning to work and he came home late at night. 
Uh, and many times I would get out of bed and he had already left for work. He had to leave that early. And I would walk into the kitchen to get breakfast and there at his seat at the table, at the table was his Bible laying open like this. And it's one of the image burned in my brain from childhood was I knew my dad as early up as he got, he started by reading the Bible. And that set a tone for me that this was important. That no matter how busy you are, this is how you start your day. And I think what, a lot of my shape was, or a lot of my faith was shaped by just the simplistic, simplistic acts, the simple acts my dad made to engage in his faith and let us see he was part of it. My dad volunteered at church. Priority of our lives was go to church, be there on Sunday. And he was engaged in leadership. And I thought, man, that really set the tone for my faith. It was just a daily, weekly activity he had that shows this is important. Bible describes us in Deuteronomy. It says, impress this faith. Impress this on your kids. Talk about it when you sit at home. Talk about it when you walk along the road. Talk about it when you lie down and when you get up. And the idea is our faith with our children is meant to be an open book where we invite them into our prayer life, into our worship, into our Bible reading and study. We share with them, here's how God's guiding me. We share with them the mistakes we make. We share with them vulnerably so that their faith uh, it can be impressed upon them what it means to be a person of faith. Dads, how are you doing with this one? With love, with discipline, and with sharing your faith. These daily activities, daily and weekly, they really go a long way to help shape who your kids will be. And it was one of the great blessings of my life from my dad. So that's the lawnmower. That's image number one. Second thing in that garage, if you walk into that garage, you'll find along the wall this whole row of fishing poles. My dad loved to fish. Raise of hand, gentlemen. How many of you love to fish? Six of you. Amazing. Yes, that was a few. Yes. My dad loved fishing. And, uh, and I saw in this that my dad, as busy as he was, recreation and having fun and having interests other than your job are important. You don't just live to work, right? There are other aspects that are really key. And my dad loved to fish. And his dad did as well. And so I, growing up as a little kid, I saw many Saturdays when we'd go be with my grandparents, they would get up far before the sun was up and they would go fishing and they'd come back at the end of the day and tell us our stories. And uh, when I was little, I was too little to go, but there was a day probably around when I was five, when they invited me to go fishing with them and we got up early and got the bait and went out in the boat and probably caught nothing. But I remember what an impression it made that the men were inviting me to go with them. This is one of the great memories for me, that they invited me to join them in what they loved. And it really set a tone. Now, candidly, I didn't like fishing, but I liked being with those guys, and I liked that they shared it with me. Dad's one of the best blessings you can do, number one, is have interests. Have things, recreation, things you love, things you enjoy. Enjoy those things for yourself, but then invite your kids into them. Grandparents, the same thing. Granddads, boy, invite your grandkids to join you in the things you love. My dad did that quite well, but he did one other thing. See, I just shared with you, fishing wasn't my thing. On occasion, I would go fishing with him, but it wasn't my interest. The thing I loved as a kid was baseball, and uh, I played a lot of baseball, and I loved to play catch. My dad didn't grow up playing baseball, a lot of different reasons for it, but... Uh, this wasn't his sport. But after a long day of work, he would come home in his suit with a briefcase, and I would say, Dad, we got a little time for dinner. You want to go in the backyard? And the image of my dad still in his suit trying to play catch with me is one of those lasting memories. My dad not only invited me into what he loved, he joined me in what I loved. Dad's, how are you doing at this? 
many times, just like my dad, the things your kids are interested in, that's not your thing. It's not your sport. It's not your interest. But are you able to join them in that, even if you're not good at it? It's one of the great blessings with those memories. And that's so much what the recreation is. One, it teaches you about life, that you need to have interest outside of just work. You need to have things that give you life and have fun. But it also creates these great memories of the two of you together. How are you doing at this? Uh, when I became a dad, I reached an age, my son was about five years old, and I thought, now's the time to take him fishing, because I remembered how impactful that was to me. And I thought, man, he's just about the same age, so we should go fishing, and we'll have one of these memories, right? So I dusted off my old fishing pole, grabbed some tackle, we got some worms from the bait store, and we went fishing. I, I showed him how to put a worm on the hook, and I showed him how to cast the line out, and he reached back like this, and as he threw forward, that hook grabbed the little thing of bait and it flung all the worms right into the water and he looked at me like he was in trouble and then we both just started laughing and uh and uh, we had this moment we're sitting there on the bank and my son goes uh do you like fishing dad and I said not so much and he said well, why are we doing this then in fact, the funny thing, uh, after he did this, I thought, our fishing is done. I took a photo because I said, I got to tell my wife we did this, right? So that's what we are. I said, pretend like you're fishing, buddy. We'll take a picture and send it. <laughs> but I realized something, and he was right. Fishing wasn't my thing, and it wasn't his thing either. So why was I doing it? I was doing it because it was meaningful to my dad, and I wanted the same experience. And so I was copying my dad, but I didn't learn and apply the lesson. Make sense? Dad, so often we can do this. We can copy the behaviors of our dads unintentionally, thinking we'll replicate. The truth is there's a deeper lesson there. If you can pull it out of that, right? The lesson was invite my son into what I love. I didn't love fishing. So I took him and my daughter golfing, and they went with me to the golf course, and we had our memories. And then I would join them in their interests, and they have lots of different ones. And it's the fun of going, how do you invite them into what you love Join them in what they love and create memories together. Dads, I hope you do this. I hope you have the thing that you love. I hope you have moments with your kids too. A third thing for me, third image, that's the second one. The third one is this workbench. Uh, my dad had a huge workbench in the garage and candidly, it was messier than this, dirtier than this. There were tools all over the place, which none of us could figure out the rhyme or reason, but my dad knew what every tool was. He could always find one. And on this bench were all these different mechanisms and things that had broken. And many of them sat for years never to be fixed, right? But they're still there. Some of the times my dad fixed things, and sometimes he didn't. And I realized in my life, too, some of the times my dad would step in and help fix problems that I had. And other times he allowed me the opportunity to fix them myself. It's very important. As parents, when we see our kids with a problem, there is a temptation to try to fix them, isn't it? But we have to know the difference between when do we step in and when do we stay back. There's a new phrase with parenting right now, and it's a new title for some of the new forms of parenting that are being seen. It's called the snowplow parent. Can you imagine what this stands for? The idea is the parent who goes in front of the kids and removes every obstacle so they have nothing to get in their way. They're finding it incredibly destructive because your kids actually need struggles and problems to fix in order to build confidence because confidence is found in knowing yourself you're competent at something. 
And so if your parents fix every problem for you, the unspoken message you learn is they must be fixing them all because I can't fix them. This is where dad's very important. There are gonna be times where you have to say, I won't fix that problem for my kids. And how do you discern the difference? Very, very important. Lesson I learned on this, kind of interesting, out of nature. A few weeks back, I sat at a dinner with a group of people I didn't know. And the guy to my left, or my right, as I was getting to know him, I discovered he was an expert in the field of hydroponics. Hydroponics is a new, uh, really a new discovery in how to grow vegetables. And they can do it, if you've seen this, they can do it without dirt now. And here's an image of it. They can grow vegetables in these pipes that as long as there's water with nutrients, they can grow. This is a great advancement for areas of the world that doesn't have good soil. And I was talking to this guy. His expertise was the photo you just saw. It was lettuce. And I just said, you know, this is amazing. You can grow lettuce in a basement. That's incredible. And uh, I said, what, what are some of the things that surprised you? What did you learn? He goes, the biggest surprise was in those first rounds, the lettuce, we had everything the lettuce would need. And yet when it came out, it just was weak. It was soft. It was mushy was the word he used. And he said, nobody wanted to eat this lettuce. It just was gross. And we couldn't figure out what was wrong. What did we possibly have missing? And he said they realized the one aspect they did not have in that basement was wind. They discovered lettuce and all the other vegetables needs wind, that that opposition that pushes against it causes it to release chemicals that make it stronger. He said in order for us to have lettuce that was strong, we needed to put fans in because it needed opposition to be strong. Parents, do you see where I'm going with this? A couple of you, that's great. <laughs> in the same way, our kids actually need difficulty in order to be strong. They need opposition to get better at things. They need to know they can overcome difficulties. Now, your job is to be supportive, and you have to have the discernment to know when do you step in, because some of the times our kids face things that they shouldn't have to solve on their own. But if you solve every problem, you have the opposite, where your kids may not have the skills to overcome problems, and they will have problems in this life. One of the great blessings my dad gave was he understood times to step in. He understood times to step away. And your kids will need that. One of the great lessons from the Bible on this in the life of David, when David faced off with Goliath, he wasn't very old. In fact, the Bible says he wasn't old enough to be a soldier. And he had confidence that he could defeat Goliath because of what he'd experienced in the past. And in fact, King Saul at the time looked at this young man, David, this little boy actually, and said, how can you possibly defeat Goliath? Do you remember David's response? He said, I've killed the lion and I've killed the bear. I think I'd do just fine with him. And you realize if he's 13 or so, that means before the age of 13, he faced immense difficulties which built his self-confidence in who he was and his confidence in who his God was. Now, I'm not recommend you put your kids in against a bear and a lion. That may not be wise parenting. But I am telling you, your kids will face Goliath someday. And before they face their Goliath, you want to hope they've overcome a few things, faced a few things, so they know the God they can trust and the skills they have. Make sense? This is one of those great things. You just go, which ones do they have to face on their own? Which ones do we support them? Which ones do we take? Now, some of you parents I know, your kids are facing Goliath. Uh, some of you have kids who've been hurting and struggling for years, some of you, and you wish you could take it away and you can't. Uh, some of you I've talked to you, some of you have kids who struggle with mental illness and you go, man, if I could take this away, I would. 
Uh, some of you have kids with physical challenges that you go, man, if I, could, if I could heal them, I would. Some of you have prodigal kids who've made decisions that just have taken them down a really difficult path. And uh, as I was thinking about today and being with you, I thought, what words would I give you? And I, I talked to a few parents I know who would identify with this. And one of them gave great advice. said, one of the hardest things about being a parent whose kids are in a struggle you can't fix, uh, they said, how do you pray for them year after year? How do you pray for them? And one of them was just honest and said, I, I got to a spot after a couple of years where I thought, I don't know what to pray anymore. And, and then they found a book that was helpful to them. And I thought, I want to suggest this to some of you. And the, the book's called Prayer for Prodigals. And uh, in it, though, it's really, it's, it's a parent's book for kids who have all number of issues, 90 different prayers. What this family did is they said, uh, one at, they'd read one prayer at night. And one would read one day, the next day, the other one would read. And they talked about how it helped grow their faith, helped see different ways they could pray for their kids. And I thought some of you, you could use a little encouragement in how to pray for your kids. And so in our bookstore, uh, they've got this book. If you want to pick it up, you can get it on Amazon. But some of you, I think it would help you just to have something to look to to help you pray for your kids who are struggling. And uh, I think this might be able to help. Uh, now, on this, I said earlier, some of you, I've been describing the blessings that my dad gave me, and he gave me lots of them. And you're reflecting, though, and you go, but I didn't get those kinds of blessings. What words would you have for me? And I was thinking about this and reading through the Bible and realized something. You read through the Old Testament, you realize there's not a lot of good, not a lot of good examples of dads in the Old Testament of the Bible. In fact, most of you are a pretty bad example and quite honest. And I was looking at Moses' life. Moses, who I think anyone would say one of the best leaders this planet's ever seen. Moses, chapter 2 of Exodus, describes his childhood. And you realize the only people involved in his life are women. There's not a, a dad in his life that you can see. And then he flees Egypt and runs into the wilderness. He's there for quite a while. And even then you don't get the sense that he's really had someone in his life until a miraculous day that changed everything when God showed up powerfully for him. The Bible describes that God shows up to this guy and calls him out and says to him, I've got a job for you to do. I want you to go confront the most powerful man on the planet, Pharaoh. I want you to convince him to give up a million people who are slaves. And I want you then to lead them to a new home and establish a new nation. That's quite a challenge, isn't it? That's what God asked Moses to do. And his response, uh, if you look at it, uh, is self-doubt. He's saying, uh, I don't know if I'm up to the task. And God goes, you're exactly what I need. And Moses goes, what if I fail? And God goes, it's not your job to succeed. I just want you to be faithful. And, and Moses then keeps arguing with God for two more chapters. Well, what about this? What about this? What about this? Each time God's response is, you're exactly who I need. M Moses goes, I, I, don't, I don't speak well. I've got a speech impediment. And God says, that's okay. I'll provide somebody else to speak. It's all right. I got that covered. Eventually, Moses says, is there anybody else but me? At which point, God gets a little upset, the Bible says. And basically, he says, you're the one I pick. I choose you. I'm with you. I won't abandon you. I'll guide your steps. I'll tell you what to say. I'll show you exactly what you need to do. I will be with you through this entire thing. And the voice you hear in that moment is the voice of a father. And maybe the first time Moses ever heard a voice like this, who told him who he was, 
who told him he cared about him and believed in him, who gave him a little correction, provided a solution to a problem that he knew would hold him back. And then you watch all the rest of the days as Moses takes on this incredible task. God was always with him, providing for him, nurturing him, speaking to him, showing himself to him. From that point forward in the Bible, God has a new title. He calls himself Father. And I wondered on this day, those of you who didn't have a great earthly dad, have you looked to God as Father to help just be a parent to you? few of my friends uh, who didn't have good dads, they described how for many years the title God as Father got in the way. They just said, I didn't have a good dad. How could I ever relate to God as Father? And what they found is when they had the courage to just prayerfully say to God, you know I didn't have a good dad here, so help me connect and relate to you as a heavenly father, that they found just that, that God in their lives, loving them, caring for them, being with them, helped re well, it just changed the view of dad. And I thought some of you today could use that. There's this great verse towards the end of the Bible from one of Jesus' closest friends. It's from John. And he's talking to people who finally realize God isn't just creator. He isn't just the king of the world. He wants to be a dad. He says this, see how very much our father loves us. For he calls us children. That's exactly what we are. And I was praying for you this week. I hope every single one of you had a point where you realize he doesn't just want to be your savior or your leader. He wants to be a father to you. And in a moment, I'm going to invite up the musicians and they're going to sing about God as father. But I thought I wanted to give us space just to pray for a minute. And specifically, I'd like to pray for you about how you're connecting to God as our father. So if you would you just bow your heads and can I say a prayer for you now? Yep. So, Father, this is my prayer. God, there's some in this room who they need to hear your words of love and affection. They need to know that they're a beloved son, a beloved daughter of the Most High God, that you knit them together, they're no mistake, that you couldn't wait for the day that they'd be born. That the Bible says you've watched over them every day of their life and care for them now and you're with them. God, would they hear words of love from you now and your great affection? God, there's others who need your guidance. They're facing some difficult decisions. God, what I'd ask is would you just reach down, take their hand, guide them forward just as you described in the Bible. Show them that discipline of here's the right path for you. God, there's others who need an invitation from you to join you in what you love, your great work in the world. So often, God, people need purpose in their lives. And they're looking at you going, what, what am I here for? God, for that person, would you begin to lead them in the process to find what they're gifted at, what they're great at, and what your role is for them in this world? Might they sense they get to do this with you, God, not just for you. Since your great joy of doing your work in the world. And then, God, finally, there's some here they're facing an overwhelming opposition. God, first, would you grant them the strength to overcome this? Might they sense your presence with them as they face this? And God, might you use others too to encourage them, to lift them, to care for them? And God, for the ones who are feeling overwhelmed, might you just reach down and take that away? And Father, we love you. And on this Father's Day, it's a prayer of gratitude we give that you would care for us, love us, be with us. We pray this together. Amen.
Amen. Amen.